Frustrated with toxic people, they can't see how much they hurt me. I just want this chaos to cease. Here's your host, Dr. Shayla, my source for how to live a life of peace. Find peace in the midst of toxic negativity. Welcome to the Toxic People Detox, a practical guide for finding peace in the midst of toxic people. It's not about changing them. It's about changing how you respond to them and doing so in a productive, healthy way. This is episode 36. Are toxic co-workers making you the bad guy? This episode is from another listener question. And she asks in there, how to deal with toxic environments where you, the victim, are turned slash labeled the negative or toxic person, especially when you know you aren't. Specifically, the listener asks, how did I deal with it? Okay, so... I've read this email several times. There's a lot going on, but let's focus on three powerful methods to deal with a specific situation. That is someone is demonizing you. They're turning your coworkers against you. And so how to deal with that? At some point in this email, the listener says, this is hard. And, I, and I'm thinking, yeah, exactly. I cannot think of one thing about dealing with the situation that's easy. Now, first, before I go into the methods, at some point I stopped trying to prove myself. And why is that? Because if you're trying to prove yourself to them, if you're trying to prove, no, I'm not a toxic person, you end up being like a puppet on a string. They know you're trying. And each time you try and you get to a point where it seems like things are going great, they're going to move the goalposts and you are going to run yourself into the ground trying to change them. Now, can they change? It's possible, but deal with them as they are now, not how you want them to be. People will believe what they want to believe regardless. It's just human nature. If you see a sweet little old lady across the street and you want to believe she's this mean old hag, well, you will find a way to prove yourself right. Now I've said this at some point, I think it was that episode, not caring what people think. I said, I give people the right to think whatever they want to think. If you think I'm the dumbest, fattest, ugliest, this, that, and the other thing, hey, have at it. More power to you. Now, let's say you started calling me names and trying to demonize me. If I cared and I tried to disprove it, guess what? As long as people think that you care too much, they're going to keep at it because they get a rise out of that. But if they get the sense that you're like, oh, I don't care what you think, whatever. They might keep on, but at some point they're going to find greener pastures. Now, I know we're all human beings and there's only so much we can take. We all have our limits, but my limit is when this problem comes to a point where it can affect my promotion, my raise, job or whatever. And that's why I'm so adamant about leaving a paper trail. And as you say, it's hard and I agree it is hard, but you'll be glad you took the time to document everything because that happened to me twice. It's one thing to call me names. It's one thing to say, you know, Dr. Williams, you're this, that, and the other thing. You know, quite frankly, I don't care. But if you step into that realm of causing me to you know, lose a promotion or causing me to lose a job, that becomes a problem. So let's talk about these methods. Method number one, understand that there are people who believe you. If you can get this one, that can probably solve a lot of the stress that's going on when people demonize you. I'll give you an example. Now my toxic person avatar, I haven't mentioned this person in quite some time, is someone I call Margaret. She's not just one person. She's kind of like a culmination of different toxic people I met. This is, and I just put this person to like my toxic person avatar. 
I'm not the type of person that cries very easily in front of people. In fact, I even made it a point of saying that at my mother's funeral, I didn't cry as much as I wanted to, but I kept it together. But when I was in graduate school and I was working with Margaret, we had a meeting with my professors and there was something, there were other things going on. I was doing a research project and I just couldn't believe some of the lies I was hearing. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's not what we agreed on. That's not what you told me when we were talking and there was no one else around. And it's like this person just made me look like a bad guy. It made me look incompetent, made me look like a fool. You know, I'm not going to go into the details, but that's really what it came down to. And it took everything I could not to cry. I was trying so hard. After it was all over, I was going to go home. And I said, look, I can't keep it. I can't keep it up anymore. And I was going to call my program, call my advisor and say, look, just I'm done with this. I'm done with this program. I'm going to drop out. But then my prof- one of my professors called me, who, who was on that conference call. That phone call changed the course of my life. He said, uh, Shayla, I don't like that environment you're in. It is toxic. That's the first time I had ever heard that word toxic used in that context. I never heard that before. When I started my doctoral program, I was 21 and I got my PhD at 27. So I was pretty young and I didn't know anything. This concept of toxicity, passive aggressive, office politics, all that was foreign to me. So I was a prime candidate for that type of uh, toxicity. When my professor told me that that was a toxic situation, it's like my perception changed. All of a sudden, I didn't feel alone because I felt like I was the only person who could see it and no one else could and I couldn't prove it. Come to find out my parents saw it, my professor saw it, and even some of my coworkers saw it. When someone tries to demonize you, there are people who can see past that. And so that's method number one. Now it would be great. And and in fact, you even said in your email that there were some people who came around eventually, but by that time, you know, the damage had been done. And so, yeah, some, sometimes people see it. You may not know it, but people see it. It's great if they can come to you and tell you that because it gives you oomph. That phone call stopped me from dropping out of my program. I mean, who's to say what I would have done had he not called me. There are people who are capable of critical thinking who aren't guided by what everyone else is thinking. There's someone in your situation that doesn't have that mob mentality that can think critically. All right. Now, number two, the second method, your best weapon is having options, plain and simple. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, whether you have another job lined up or you could work for yourself, whatever, when you have branching paths, you won't be as anxious as if you believe there's only one path. If you believe this is the only job in the world and you can't go anywhere else, oh yeah, this is going to be a very toxic environment for you because uh, it was the same thing with me. I couldn't see the forest for the trees. And I thought, well, this is my only path. There's only one way forward. And I put a lot of undue stress on myself because of that, that looking back, I had so many options, but I was so blinded by everything that was going on. I just didn't see them. And imagine if I could go back and think, Wow. Look at all these options. Do you think this toxic situation would be that big of a deal for you? If you knew you had another path to take, probably not. So what do you do in that situation? Well, when I first started teaching, one of the things I did was keep everyone at arm's length. Now I wasn't trying to be standoffish. It's just because of my just terrible experience with my previous job. I was not quick to trust people. I said, look, I'm just going to treat, I'm going to be cordial, 
When I see people, I say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I'll call them by their proper title. If it's doctor, pastor, rabbi, whatever their title is, I will call them by that. But I will be cautious of them. And in doing so, I began to learn who to gravitate toward and who to stay away from. So in the six years I've been teaching, I've been creating options for myself. How did I do that? I've been telling you all about this thing I've been doing and it's, I've got so wrapped up in it that I had to put this podcast on hiatus for a little while. Uh, other things I've done, you know, I do freelancing work. So I do a lot of things on the side. So if I ever find myself in a severely toxic situation at my job, I can leave and go somewhere else. That's what I mean by having options. Now, what if you're in a situation where you're not really in a position to go anywhere? I've mentioned my bankruptcy several times and in the five years I was in it, my options were kind of limited. Basically during those five years, I had a financial obligation. So my options were pretty limited. I really couldn't go anywhere, but I still had things on the side. So when things get toxic at work, it doesn't bother me as much because I know, look, my days here are numbered. I'm on my way out. I just have to bide my time. So what does this mean for you? Learning new skills. Uh, I'm actually going to send you some resources that I think that might help you. I had a relative tell me, he's like, you know what, Shayla, I'm not trying to get any satisfaction at work. I just go to work, do what I can and go home. And I'm, and I'm thinking, man, more power to you because I cannot do that. There's some people, they're not trying to get into office politics. I mean, of all the people I've known in my life, this is one of the most nonchalant folks I've ever met. (laughs) I can believe all he does is go to work, do what he needs to do. And he goes home. But see, I'm not that way. And I think a lot of people are not that way. They, re- they want to get some sense of purpose. They want to have a sense of accomplishment. And if you're not getting that at your job, is th- are there options for you to go elsewhere? But like I said, you may not be in the financial position to do that. If so, go ahead, do what you need to do, and then keep your eye on that. For me, I kept my eye on the goal. I love teaching, but there's something else I want to do. All right, the last one. And this is the one that took me a while to get right. And that is deflect and call them out on it. Logic and emotion cannot thrive in the presence of each other. One will dominate the other. It's tough to be logical if you're emotional. Here's what I've actually done. My previous job dealing with Margaret, when I was leaving, one of the things I did in probably the last year or so is when this person would, would say something, I would say, really, why do you think that? For example, if I'm demonizing you, I say, oh, you're a terrible person. And you say to me, really? Why do you think that? Is there any way I can improve? And that sounds kind of schmaltzy. But (laughs) when I ask those questions, I don't really want an answer to be honest. I'm being facetious. Okay. (laughs) I'm kind of hitting below the belt. I'm like, oh, you think that about me, huh? Just, okay. Why do you think that? Is there anything I can do to improve? What I'm doing is I'm shutting them down. At least I'm trying to win it. Some people can finagle their way around that. But usually when people are demonizing you, they don't expect you to ask those type questions. They don't expect you to fire back at them. And like I say, don't be emotional. Stand your ground, be logical and call them out on their logical fallacies. Now you mentioned in your email that this person used an anonymous attack against you. Now, for those of you who don't know, that means attack to the man. In other words, you're attacking the person rather than the issue at hand. Now, also, the more I think about it, another logical fallacy is uh, the argumentum at Veracunium, which means argument from authority, that because you don't have the degree that they do, that somehow your words aren't valid. So I would just call them out on it. Uh, I'll give you an example. 
I went to a doctor and he prescribed this medication and I didn't want to take it because I, I didn't think it was necessary. Uh, he goes on to say, well, if you don't take this medication, I can take your license away. Oh boy. <laughs> That's the wrong approach with me. I immediately said argumentum at baculum and false dichotomy. At baculum is an argument by threat. It means I'm threatening you. You know, it's argument to the stick. And then false dichotomy, you're presenting me with two options as if a third or fourth one doesn't exist. And I came right back at him and I said, uh, you know what? If you do that, if you try to take my license, you better come at me with a stack of academic papers from peer reviewed academic journals or medical journals stating that this course of action is the only course of action. Otherwise, we're in for a long lengthy legal battle, you and I. Well, Dr. Shaley, you just used a logical fallacy. Yeah, I did, but it was effective. I'm pretty sure he strong on his patients before, and he didn't expect me to say that. And guess what? I still have my driver's license. Here we are. Oh, this happened like six years ago. Has it been that long? No, it's been four years. So to recap this third one, just deflect and sometimes humor. I was on a research cruise and there was a lady and she was the only female crew member. And she came at me and she just started talking all this flack. I actually thought it was pretty humor. She said, you're a female dog on wheels. Of course, you know, I'm censoring this. And I, I kind of chuckled. I said, what, <laughs> what does that even mean? Uh, what's the wheels part? I don't get that. And <laughs> just, okay, I'm, I'm trying to keep a straight face here. Now this was a two week cruise and those two weeks, I never really had any problems out of her because right out of the gate, I was letting her know that, well, you know, whatever you have to say when you try to demonize me, it doesn't bother me. So there you go. Deflect, use humor, and even call, call them out on it. What do you mean by that? Really? Why would you say that? Something I tend to do, if someone's trying to demonize me, I say, really? That's interesting. You know, I, I've had students who do this to me. God, you're such a horrible teacher to us. I'm like, really? Why do you think that? What can I do to improve? Now, again, I can't stress enough. I'm kind of being facetious when I say that. I'm getting them to open up. And usually I don't get anything back from them. So to recap this episode, the first method, understand that there are people who believe you. Sometimes just knowing there's at least one person out there that's on your side can really help alleviate the stress. Whether you know that or not. It would be nice if someone came up to you and said, Hey, I understand. I don't believe what those other people say. That'd be great. That's not always the case. And you think, well, why don't they say anything? Because some people don't want to get involved. Some people they're in this group and they know that these other people are wrong, but they want so desperately to fit in. So that's their, that, that's no whole nother problem right there. Number two, your best weapon is having options. I didn't have them at one point. I was kind of stuck, but I kept a goal in mind. I said, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. It took me five years, but I'm finally getting there. And then the third one is deflect and call them out on it. Again, it's not about being confrontational. It's just ask a basic question. And if they're using logical fallacies, I would, I would learn some of these. I mean, there are a lot of them, but learn the common ones like the attack to the man, which, which, you know, already the attack from authority, the straw man, the red herring, you know, all these, uh, the, the force argument, the false dichotomy, you know, understand the basic ones, the ones they're most likely to use against you. And then just say, um, at Hanuman, uh, ignoratio Lynchy, circular reasoning, so forth and so on. All right. People believe you create options, deflect and call them out. Now, toxic people 
tend to want the easy win. But if you don't give it to them, they tend to go for greener pastures. So that's the answer to your question, how I dealt with it. I use those three things, maybe not all at once, but at some point. It's not about changing them. It's about changing how you responded to them. Should they change and think, oh, you're not a terrible person after all. Okay, that's great. But you can change how you respond to them. And if it comes to a point where they cross this line and they're actually hindering you or they're interfering with your work and it's something that can get you fired, it's, it's something that can cost you a promotion or a raise, you might need to go for arbitration or some professional advice on that one. Okay. So I hope that answers your question. I'm glad you talked to me. I reached out to you on, on LinkedIn and I'll be in touch with you. And until next time, I wish you peace in the midst of toxic people. Take care. Go to the toxicpeopledetox.com. Find peace in the midst of toxic negativity.